Hi friends, welcome to this episode where there are no scripts because life's most profound moments can't be rehearsed. This is Humans Unscripted. My name is Connor McKimmy and this is my burn survivor story. years old I was pretty much a, a normal kid you know I grew up with an older brother younger brother uh, we were all within four years apart so very very close uh, in age we were able to go to high school together for a year which is nice uh, my mom was a high school teacher at, at the school we went to and my dad was uh, in the Navy and worked for Bank of America so uh, you know pretty you know I would say typical you know kid growing up playing sports going to school having a you know, everyday life with, with my brothers, my friends in, in our little neighborhood, just south of Charlotte. And, um, for me, it was something that like you get in so, such a routine in general. I think as human beings, we like being in routine, but at that age, it was just like, go to school, go to practice or a game, come home, rinse and repeat. Uh, and I had been doing that, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade in, into my eighth grade year. It was pretty much all the same. Uh, but during that time, you know, you start growing up. And for me, it was starting to like girls a little bit. And and so there was this, you know, cheerleader who had been my friend for a long, long time. Oh, it was a cheerleader. Uh, All right. Yeah, yeah, a little cheerleader. A little, <laughs> a little, a little cheerleader uh, who was, uh, you know, I, I liked. And so we had gone from football season to basketball season. And we had ended uh, for Christmas break. And, and I had this idea, like we had gone through the little talking phase that we all do. And, yeah. and, uh, it was kind of like uh, an opportunity for our first real date. And so as a kid who, you know, we, I can't drive, I don't have a job. So it's not like I have money. Um, I was like, listen, we had this outdoor fireplace. We got some lights strung up. I mean, it's, it's a nice, you know, backyard area anyway, but you know, for that, yeah, I was like, I'll give it a go. And, and, uh, you know, I, I had my favorite playlist on. I talk about it all the time because it like dates me a little bit when I'm talking to, you know, schools or whatever. But it was like Usher, Neo, Chris Brown, like all the R&B classic. <laughs> and, and, you know, it had like the Savoir stuff out there and everything was, you know, nice and, and the mood was set. But for me, the only thing I had to do was like get the fire started. You know, I, I, I'm somebody that you know, I definitely like to prepare. It's in my nature, but you know, I wanted the whole scene set. Like when she walked in, you know, I wasn't trying to struggle, um, trying to get it lit or, or anything else like that. Out of the notebook or something <laughs> romantic at how I was, I, was a, I was a hopeless romantic, you know, 13 years old. I was, I was, you know, that, that was just who I was. I've always been a kid who like, wears my heart on my sleeve in that way. But, but I'm just saying, yeah, when I was 13, um, Certainly no one was preparing a fireplace for me with s'mores <laughs> and Neo. Uh, no. Well, you got to understand, like, too, I mean, this was really, I don't even know when the first iPhone came out, but I, I we definitely did have it. You know, I was still texting on a, on a razor with T9 back then. So we weren't, we weren't doing anything crazy. I'm my sidekick. Hey, I wish I was <laughs> <laughs> You'd flip it up. So for me, it was like, look, I wanted to make a big gesture because we've been friends. This is kind of like, you know, is there going to be sparks there or something like that? We had talked, but you never know. Um, and so 
in my haste to kind of get the fire ready, I got my favorite outfit on. And I'm, I'm like feeling good. I got the music going and I'm like rushing to get this thing, this thing started. And in that time, um, I believe I hit, hit over the gas canister that was right by there that I used to kind of start the initial flame. Um, and this caused an explosion. And for me, it was so quick. I mean, it was a matter of like flipping over logs, trying to get this thing, you know, bright and, and going. And before I know it, there was just a, a, a bang. And, um, you know, I try to explain to people, it's like, if you're in a well-lit room and you shut your eyes, like you can see the light around you, you know, you know, there's lights on, you know, that there's light around you, you go step outside and it's sunny out, you know, you can know, you can tell the sun's out even when your eyes are shut. So with my, the force, you know, blows me back a little bit and I shut my eyes, but I see this red, yellow glow and it's the middle of December. So it's pitch black out and. Um, again, you don't feel the pain or anything else like that, but the force and the glow around me, I knew it wasn't good. So I just took off running. And before I knew it, I, I mean, the explosion was loud enough to, you know, wake my mom, you know, my mom who was downstairs to get her to basically jump out the window to push me down. My next door neighbor came over with towels to pat me out and you know, for me, it was something that didn't seem like it was that long. It, it felt like maybe a matter of seconds. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Has your mom or neighbor in hindsight told you how long the ordeal kind of was in actuality? I don't I don't think anybody wanted, <laughs> would want me to, you know, like one, I don't think they want to relive that. But two, I think for me, it was it was. Uh, you know, it's not something that like it, it really matters, right? You know, I, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to think about like I was on fire for 62 seconds. Maybe it adds an impact. And again, I think in my, you know, when we're rushing and we're we're moving quickly, you know, it was like trying to get this thing going. I think I knocked it over. And when you knock, you know, when there's a large amount of gasoline going into, you know, a fire, depending on which direction it goes, it's going to either go with the flame or go out the other side. You know, it's like if you took gasoline and you toss it on a fire, because that is the fuel that will be, you know, igniting, it, it can come towards you or it can go out the other side. For me, the issue was the, the logs were really, really damp. So it would start and then go back down and start and go back down. And so that's why you, you had me in there just trying to like flip them over, trying to, you know, stir it up a little bit to keep, get something to, to stay lit. I think for, for the biggest thing for me was it, it just wasn't. Um, and I, and I knew I was run, racing against the clock because, you know, she was on her way. And so I'm like hustling, hustling, hustling. I mean, listen, I didn't, I, I definitely, we didn't grow up like in the country by any stretch of the imagination, but we had this fire pit in our house for a long time. And it was something that like me and my brothers, you know, would do throughout the summer, you know, winter, of course, when it gets cold, but it was just like, you could throw, throw logs in there, start it. And, you know, there was like a little. We had a little hot tub out there. Again, it was something that I had done, uh, you know, dozens of times at that point. It seems crazy. And I, again, I try to stress as much, even that's a good point to bring up. Cause I think a lot of people, when I initially tell it, they're like, your parents are crazy. Like letting, letting, you know, try to start a fire at a kid. I'm like, those are your kids. We've been doing it for, you know, a long, long time. And, and again, there was things that I, I, I would definitely try to have done differently going forward. I mean, now, now I definitely don't have like the fear of flame by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm more cautious when starting to grow and starting other things like that. But it's, it's just about being, you know, again, in that moment, I was a kid, 
I was rushing. I was excited for this big day and I wasn't like as locked in as I probably should have been. And, and, and again, it, it caused something that at the time was major. Um, obviously I still talk about it, which is, which is, you know, part of the deal, but it, it again, I, I try to stress as much as possible that night in particular, what it, you know, the trajectory of my life going forward was forever changed, but definitely not in a negative way. It definitely gave me something that, again, I, I became part of that flame in, in some aspects and, and it made me who I am today. And so I'm definitely not ashamed of that. I would go back and probably change a few other things than that. Um, if I'm going to be honest, if I had an opportunity to get in a time machine, it wouldn't be to change that night. Uh, just yeah, going forward, it was a learning moment. Uh, and, you know, my first dates now are not that extravagant. <laughs> yeah, I, try to, I, try to, I try to tone it down a little bit. Um, you know, maybe coffee dates. I still like to do the romantic thing. Again, it's important. I, there's like courtship that is lost in today's world. 100%. That, like, still needs that's to why I'm blown away by the fact that you were 13. And you were doing, <laughs> but I, mean, I think it's important also, and I'm sure we'll touch on it later, of anyone putting any type of fault on your parents. No, <laughs> one, it's just like, it, this is part of your, I went to bonfires when I was about the same age, younger, and there was no parent supervision. So again, I think it was, uh, I mean, a big enough explosion, light, sound, everything else. My mom goes downstairs uh, in the living room, probably watching TV or whatever, you know, saw it and was able to just go. She basically went straight through. The, the downstairs window, you know, that would have, would have gone straight to the back, back door. So whether she opened it up, whether she jumped through, I think she just opened it up um, and, and jumped through and my next door neighbor who came over with, with towels. Uh, we were fortunate enough for, you know, he was a volunteer firefighter in the neighborhood. So he, you know, came, wrapped me up. They patted me down with cushions and everything else. My mom actually suffered, uh, minor burns, I think about 20% through her hands and just like, you know, parts of her body where she was just trying to pat me out. Uh, but again, for me, it was opening my eyes face down and just seeing like the skin on my hands peeled back and black and charcoal. Like my whole shirt was gone except for where I had like rolled up the sleeves. And, uh, you know, I just felt like a little bit of coldness a joke, whatever it is, this is like to make a little light of the situation, but because I was wrapped in the towels, like right around my midsection, my, my, my manhood was freezing. And so I like asked them like to please remove the towel. And they were like, we can't, we can't remove the towel. Cause there was no, like I didn't have pants on or anything else like that. But that's why I was, that's why I was so cold. It's just, you know, freezing towel wrapped around in the middle of December. Weird enough, like last week, I can't remember what I was watching, but when people do suffer such you know, uh, intense burns that their body gets cold. Is that true? Part for me, it was, you know, I think again, just the area that was protected the most. Uh, like I have legitimate lines from like where my jean pockets were to like around that wasn't burned because there's so many layers. If you think about it, you have jeans, you have underwear, you know, everything else, it doesn't get as deep. Uh, but like wearing, you know, a button down shirt gone, right. Just like that. But, um, what it did do is it burned pretty much all of the nerve endings or a lot of the initial nerve endings. So that's why I wasn't feeling much pain and you're in shock in general. 
Um, but, but yeah, I get put in the back of the, you know, ambulance. And as I'm rolling up, I just kept asking him, like, can I get a towel? Like, can I get a blanket or something? I'm freezing. And I just tried to, you know, let people know I was going to be okay. Um, and it really wasn't until I got in the back of the ambulance and I was like, okay. Um, you know, looking at the guys being like, what's, what's the deal? You know, what, how bad is it? Am I going to be okay? I think the natural questions that come to our mind and really before I get an answer is when everything kind of cuts to black, you know, they were able to put an IV in me, give me, you know, some, some medicine right away. And, and before I know it, I'm out. And what we find out is I was medevaced uh, to Joseph M. Still Burn Center, which is in Augusta, Georgia, um, which is now one of the largest burn centers in the world. I think it's the largest on the East Coast. And, you know, that's when they came out with the diagnosis, right? I was burned 90% of my body, 75% being third degree. And for them, the, the biggest thing was they were trying to keep me alive long enough. So my dad, who had been in Iraq for nine months, you know, and was on his way home for the holidays, like, could see me, you know, I think their initial thing was like, let's keep him alive for 48 to 72 hours. His dad is in the plane on the way back, you know, just so he can see his kid. And then we'll go from there. Um, you know, my mom is being treated in the same facility as well. And, uh, it's literally three days before, four days before Christmas. So, my older brother, who was 15 at the time, my little brother, who was 12, uh, my grandparents, aunt and uncle, everybody, you know, from both sides of the family kind of just started working their way to this little, you know, hotel in Augusta, Georgia to be there for, for the holidays. And again, for me, I was in a medically induced coma. So none of this, you know, occurred to me. I didn't wake up until, you know, halfway through February, really right before the Valentine's Day. Um, but again, it was just one of those things that, you know, there's so many aspects of life that are out of your control, but this was out of our control. And, you know, I'm not like somebody who ever puts, you know, religion or faith on other people. Everybody can, you know, you can believe what you want. I, I, it just doesn't matter. But this was something that like, there was no explanation for, you know, how things started to progress in a positive way, right? Like with a burn that severe, you you should have internal damage from the smoke, from the flames, and like my lungs, my internal organs, everything was perfectly fine. Um, you know, I should lose more than just uh, you know my index finger and a little bit of my thumb. Yeah. You know, and with again a burn that severe, most people are losing feet, hands, arms, legs you know, so on and so forth, because they're just trying to keep as much as you alive and intact, because if you're, you know, that severely burned, the odds of it healing aren't high. The odds of it getting infected and causing more issues is even higher, you know? And so that's like the battle that everybody, everybody ends up having to face because it's not necessarily the burns that'll always kill you. Uh, but it's getting infections, it's getting pneumonia, it's having the, that, you know, those kind of, those kind of things while your body's already trying to recover and heal, it couldn't take, you know, one more thing. And, um, I just had a couple of like medical questions. Uh, one being, um, you know, you said that there was no internal damage, which is phenomenal. Um, did they, 
give you an explanation for that? Was it because things happened maybe so quickly there wasn't that time for like smoke inhalation or, um, and you know, also it would be interesting to know if they ever said to you or maybe your parents, um, that's absolutely heart-wrenching that your father was coming home from Iraq. Um, so in, in pair with that question, um, did they give you even a percentage or your family a percentage on like, he's going to wake up and well, yeah. Uh, so for my mom, I, she has very vivid memory, you know, of, of one of the doctors, not the guy who's primarily in charge of me. Um, but just one of the, the guys at the, at the hospital who was a little bit older and had been, been there for a long time. And again, you know, Burns in general is not necessarily the happiest, you know, place. Listen, they, they lose a lot of people. They see a lot of people's lives change and, and, um, you know, they do an unbelievable job at, at Joseph M. Still and, and at burn centers all across the country. But they listen, you can't save any, any, everybody. That's this the reality, but you know, this is right before Christmas or right after Christmas. My mom's in the, in the elevator coming down to see me and, and, you know, one of the doctors in there was just, that just said, you know, be careful, you know, what you wish for. And, 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 you know, cause everybody was praying and, and, and wishing for me to be okay and, and survive. But the reality is even if I was to survive, the outlook on my life would have was still very, very grim. You know, was I, you know, the being able to walk again was kind of off the table. Uh, you know, 13 years old, like he's going to have to take care of himself or not going to be able to take care of himself. Like, you know, my parents are going to have to be, be there to take care of me. Uh, not to mention, you know, the, the, the scarring that's on, you know, my entire body face included. And, and um, you know, that was going to be something that I was going to have to live with for the rest of my life. Like they knew that my parents, you know, I think it was hard hearing and, and you know, especially at that point, like I'm still so frail in, in, in healing. You know, all they see is me wrapped head to toe in bandages. I look basically like a mummy. Um, and over the next, you know, couple months, I lose, you know, 30, 40 pounds. So I went from being about 6'1", you know, 160, 170 pounds to, you know, down to 125, 130 on that same frame. I don't, I don't know how to phrase necessarily even a question on this, but how do you feel in hindsight about that doctor having said that? I don't want to place my opinion in there at all. <laughs> um, I just definitely as a statement, I don't know as a mother, if I would want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, listen, I know my mom definitely didn't appreciate it. I'm glad I didn't have to hear those things. Um, and, you know, more than anything, I'm just glad he wasn't my, my primary doctor, uh, you know, doc, Dr. Dr. Cardi that, you know, did take care of me, um, you know, was optimistic in his, in his approach. Um, listen, I woke up and I was very, I, I was a teenager, right? We are stubborn. We are hard headed. And I was struggling accepting this new reality. Um, you know, people telling me that I wasn't going to walk, that I wasn't going to play sports. You know, I woke up staring at the bandages and was just like, when is this going to heal? Like, when can I go back and play lacrosse again? When can I go back and go to school again? You know, you can't process that, you know, multiple months have gone by and this is what your body, you know, has endured during that time. 
again, for me, I went from playing basketball, having a date that didn't go so great to basically going to sleep in the back of an ambulance and then waking up three months later in this new world, this new, new reality. And, you know, listen, listen, they, they were straightforward with how they, you know, laid these things out, but there was always a little pushback from me. Like, why not? Why can't I? You rebel as a teenager. It's in, it's in our DNA. It's part of growing up. <laughs> it's like, you have to be a little piece of shit when you're 13 and then add a traumatic event on top of it, of course. I mean, I do have to ask though, what was it like? This is something I've always kind of wondered. Um, being in the coma for the amount of medically induced coma for the amount of time that you were, I guess, kind of waking up, right? Um, and it seems like you have clear memory of the event up until the ambulance and then until waking up. Um, I mean, do you feel any passage of time? No, I get it. It's like a bizarre thing to even wrap your head around because for me, like, we're so caught up in the calendar in general, right? We see the date change. We see the time change. Like, it's just part of our 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 being, our lives. And, and um, you know, for it to, like, miss the year change was also weird for me. Like, I woke up and I, I knew think about that. time it. Yeah, like, I knew time had passed. But, like, you didn't realize how much, right? I had posters on the wall from, like, the Super Bowl and national championships that took place. But like, I didn't watch them. There's, you know, Super Bowl was in February, college national championship, you know, whatever in January. It's like, I, I didn't see those games go by. Like that was really weird. You see commercials for it when ESPN or whatever's on, but like, I didn't watch those things. There that was time that took like place. a trippy time travel. Yeah. It's, I it's, yeah. And, and for me, what made it so weird is I woke up and I still had a, you know, a trachea in. So, like, I couldn't talk to anybody. Um, you know, I was just, and you're on so much medication. You know, you're, everything's already, like, an absolute blur. Um, but it, it, it was, like, coming to grips with how much time had passed. You had to, like, put, put out of your mind. You know, it was like, look, like, time's gone on. All I can focus on right now is is like what's going on right now, and it wasn't always easy. Um, the initial like "why me?" definitely sat in, like it does for most people. Um, but as an athlete, I think as you know, similar to how my parents raised me, it was like I didn't really have another choice. It was like you are going to heal and get better, or you're going to sit around and it's not and. And so I just tried to put all my energy and my focus on not what I lost, but like, what can I start doing to get a little bit further? How long did it take you to reach to, that mindset? A couple of weeks, a couple of weeks of sitting in, in my room, like in the dark. Like, you know, listen, a couple, a couple of weeks in the hospital seems like, eternity let me put that let me make that very, very okay, clear fair. a couple weeks a couple weeks in the hospital when it's like you know especially early on my parents were only allowed to come a certain amount of time you're just sitting there you can't move you got people like poking and prodding you you do dressing changes all that stuff yeah. and and this was really like prior to 
like iPads and Netflix and all of our on-demand like movies and television and everything. I had like all the Scrubs seasons. I had um, what else did I have? It was like Scrubs, How I Met Your Mother, and a couple other shows. Like literally the DVDs yeah. that that people had like because they knew it was my favorite show at the time that people like just donated. So I had all the and I would just go cruising. You think you think you crush shows nowadays? Imagine in a hospital like all day. I was, I was just running through, running through the shows. So, can you can you recite the like, whole "How I Met Your Mother" episode by memory? <laughs> I don't know if I can recite it, but I could definitely, I could definitely tell you, um, you know, when certain things took place. And, and uh, I, listen, I, I was just like so. I was just like, I want to get out of here. I want to get back to life. I want to see my friends. Like I'm, I just want to get out of there. And I, I, I can speak from, you know, talking to other kids that are in the hospital or spent significant time in the hospital. We're all the same that way. Like it seems as we get older, like, you know, such a feat to, to, you know, have that perspective. But as a kid, you just want to be a kid. It's all you want to do. And there is no place that's probably more foreign to being a kid than like an ICU, you know, not a children's hospital, not, not a, you know, a, a, a place made for kids. Cause like I went to Levine children's hospital for a month after it, where I just did inpatient rehab. And that was like fun. You know, I could have xbox wheeled into my room we had ping pong tables we had all sorts of stuff that was like fun for kids like this was an icu it was not a fun place i was definitely one of the youngest people there but like you know that that was the best place for me to get my care uh you know to save my life right wow yeah i I think of myself as a 13 year old or anyone that i knew and i just know that i mean the way you phrase it actually makes a lot of sense of, you know, you're in such a rush to get back to normalcy and reality um, and being a kid. But I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe I'm just a brat. I don't know, but I <laughs> can't imagine in two weeks that I would be able to come to that adult, such an adult conclusion. Cause of course life has to go on. You have to make the best of it. Yeah. Um, but as a 13 year old, yeah, we were definitely on two different planes of maturity i mean listen like in all honesty there's definitely stuff that like i had come to grips with you know i think like my appearance took a while like that that stuff took some time took you know years right like you you know that that was a completely different battle but just like the initial urge to get back uh get out of that 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 place um you know, it was like, look, I'm tired of sitting around. Like, what can I do? You know, how can I sit up? How can I start doing moving around? How can I start, you know, figuring out how to stand? And then you get like excited about those things. You know, you're like, listen, I had to basically start from square one again, which was bizarre because like your mind didn't, you know, I still knew how to like write and use my hands. I still knew how to walk, but like your body does not match up with this new again this new body this new body that i was in right like my mind there was a disconnect and and it was relearning how to do some of those things and that was frustrating right like you get upset because you felt like you could do all these things and now you can't 
Um, but again, like that was never going to make the situation easier. It was only going to make it harder on myself. But like when I figured out how to stand and when I figured out how to take a, a step, like it was incredibly painful. It didn't feel great, but I was so excited because it was like a little bit of progress. And I knew like with each little bit of progress, it was going to get me further and further along and, and hopefully get me out of, of the hospital you know, in, in a quicker time. And so my initial stay was supposed to be nine to 12 months. Um, and, you know, we were out of there in like five and a half, wow. um, pretty much, you know, or yeah, out in April. And then uh, from April to May, I did a month at Levine Children's Hospital where I just did like inpatient rehab. Um, and I went in there like still using a wheelchair to get around, you know, I could walk and stuff, but just like overall by four weeks later, like, didn't need, could like got rid of the wheelchair. They, they had me moving around so much. Like you just, you got, you built up the strength, you know, and it was cool to see your body like start getting back. Yeah. Uh, There's like, they had like a football, they had basketball hoop, like I had all these things that like I was used to. And it gave me the opportunity to start trying, you know, like picking up a lacrosse stick, figuring out how it fit my hands and worked. Like, throwing the football, shooting the basketball, like all these things, like it, it just took your mind off like the rehab and all that. You're just yeah. like, wow, I could do this again. I could do this again. Like, and it gave you hope and, and like that progress and that belief was addicting in a way, you know, it was like, you just wanted to keep going and keep going and keep going because like, I, I, I just wanted to get back to where I was. And, you know, fortunately for me that I was able to start high school on time and, you know, eventually go on and play, you know, high school lacrosse and, and, and didn't end up missing a B and, and like, that was special for me, but it was like the same attitude that I had in the hospital, like didn't leave me, you know, I got back out in the field and it was great. Like it was a cool moment to be back out there, but I was like, man, I suck. Like I got a lot, I got to get a lot better. Like I'm slow. I'm not strong. I'm still underweight. Like I needed to do all of these things. Because I was, you know, I'm a competitor. I think that was in me. Being a middle child, I think, <laughs> like, 100%. always played sports. Yeah, and always played sports against, like, my older brother. Like, that was in my DNA. Like, I, I was happy to be there for sure. But anytime I, I played sports, like, it wasn't necessarily I want to be the best. Like, I, you know, that, I don't think I had that mindset. But I wanted to contribute, right? I wanted to be, uh, you know, a player, not just a, a spectator or, or a sideshow, right? Yeah, like, and, and the beautiful thing about like lacrosse for me was this is a sport that, you know, head to toe, you're covered in gear. You put a helmet on, like people couldn't tell that, that anything had happened to me unless you got, you know, a couple inches from my face, you might see that there's a scar there, but like my hands are covered with gloves. I wore like compression garments for my skin safety. So like, you know, again, head to toe, I was covered in something. So the only thing you could judge me off of was my play. And I respected that. And, you know, I took it as like, I didn't want anybody to take it lightly on me because I sure as heck am not going to take it lightly on you. It makes me laugh because uh, when I was in early high school, like late middle school, I, I loved lacrosse, but I was god awful um <laughs> they had to create a c team um <laughs> for me and a few of my friends who i swear they think we were just like fucking around on our parents dime we were we were really trying <laughs> like we were just 
terrible. That puts a lot in perspective of like how bad I really truly was. The fact no. that <laughs> had to relearn all Still of these things. It, uh... And I, yeah, no, you, you definitely, no matter how bad you thought you were, you were doing better than I was. Um, <laughs> but I do think that the, you mentioned how rewarding it was and I can understand that high and that addiction of like, look what I can do, even if it seems like mundane and I knew how to do it before, but you are starting from scratch. And I think that's, I I don't know how to totally phrase it, but such a cool perspective to have. I mean, as a child, of course, you don't remember your first word, your first, you know, time writing, but to be able to experience that and have the perspective of a, well, teenager, I guess, not an adult, but someone who knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to imagine that, I, like, you never want that feeling to stop. Like, you probably felt on top of the world, even though you were relearning things. Yeah, I, I mean, I talk about that all the time. Like, none of us have memories of, of running around, you know, as kids, right? Like, our parents have footage of it, of our first steps maybe, and, and first run, moving around, but you, you don't have those memories. So it definitely added a different perspective, a different level of perspective when, um, you know, and I would say appreciation for just those little things that, like, we definitely do take for granted. And even now, like, um, you know, listen, I have complications. There's no no way about around it, right? Like, I can't undo the fact that I was burned 90%. So, like, my feet are still covered in scars. My whole body is. I'm going to have bad days and good days just like everybody else. But I definitely, what I learned um, from an athlete perspective as well, is just how quickly things could be taken away from you and and to appreciate, like, the opportunities you have to go out there, you know. And I still do that, whether I'm playing golf or speaking or doing anything like I, I'm very candid and open about, especially the speaking stuff. Like there's going to be come a time and a place, like I'm not going to be able to walk up and down that stage, you know, for, for 45 minutes or an hour, like my body won't be able to handle that. Um, but that probably won't be for a long time. And and I will probably find ways around it uh, when I get there. You know, oh, I'm but sure what you I can, <laughs> what I can take, take control and and ownership over. It's just like, listen, as my body feels good or does it feel good? Like it's here and it's been able to do so much. It's not about looking a certain way. It's about feeling a certain way. You know, that's what I always try to explain to people. Like I'm, when I stare in the mirror, like I'm proud of what I see, not because I'm like, I'm not jacked. I don't have an eight pack. I don't look like Channing Tatum, but like, I am confident in what I see. I'm happy with what I, what my body is able to do. And like, at the end of the day, it's the reflection in, is, is what matters. Like, I don't need 8 million people to tell me that, like who gives a shit, honestly, like I got to be able to, I, it's up to me. Cause you know, we talk about all the time, but it's reality. Like the most beautiful people in the world are some of the most insecure people as well. Right. Like visually beautiful. Like they struggle with that. It's like, listen, I'm not, uh, I, that's not something I hope I ever have to worry about because like, again, the security comes from understanding what our bodies are able to do and endure, but also understanding that, look there, I've been blessed with so many great, wonderful, beautiful people in my life that care about me, not because of how I look, but because of who I am and and the way that I carry myself. And like that to me is the most important thing. And it gets lost in, in a world where, you know, again, we're always told we got to look a certain way. We got to act a certain way. We got to dress a certain way. But it's like, dude, those people are for dollar signs and not for me and you. And like, that's the difference. Yeah. I mean, 
I think it's unfortunate, of course, in the way that it happened, but to develop that mindset and to have people take you so seriously and with such, I'm struggling to find the word. I know I'm going to think of it and it's going to piss me off, but um, yeah, to establish yourself in the way that you did and the person that you've become at such a young age is really what baffles me um but again i think that i was a very different person than you were but uh yeah definitely take me back to lacrosse because i can understand how um that was a huge part of your life and it's like you're not going to go easy on anyone else and sure you said i won't be easy on anyone else rightfully so so i want to get myself to a place where i'm doing really good it would be easier for parents spectators whoever's watching to be like all right, I'm going to give this person a break because I look at them and I can tell they've been through something. Um, and clearly you didn't want that pity or anything, but I am curious to see how um, the whole kind of victim or pity mindset uh, that was most likely, I would guess, you tell me, put on to you, um, how that affected you. So I think, uh, again, like lacrosse-wise, I feel like very few people really knew unless they knew who I was, you know, I, like as my, my story definitely garnered some attention in the lacrosse world because it was a little, you know, it's a smaller, you know, well-knit community. And I had a lot of very um, prominent people in the, in the sport, like reaching out and supporting me, you know, Bill Tierney, who just retired, who was the head coach at Princeton in, in, in Denver, you know, like had his team write letters. Dom Starja, who's you know Hall of Fame coach from from UVA, like those guys all reached out. So I felt very embraced in the lacrosse community. But like people didn't, you know, again, especially in the lacrosse world, you got helmet gloves and everything else. Like people didn't like, I, I think, know until uh, sophomore year. I had this article come out. Um, on lacrosse magazine and like every kid that plays lacrosse at the time like got gets this magazine because you have to register you know to us lacrosse and all that stuff and so that summer when i was playing like kids knew and and what was cool is like kids try to take their shot like that was you know they see me on the cover and like this big story and all that stuff and they were like, were you the kid from the magazine? I was like, yeah. And then, you know, it wasn't like they're going to go easy. Like it made them want to go harder just because I'm that kid. That. Like I'm not, I'm not going to, again, I was never going to be somebody that could just like roll out there and take it easy. So it's like, they see me busting my ass and competing. Like they want to do the same thing. And, and, you know, for my teammates, they would, you know, give me jokes here or there, but like everybody was supportive because they knew that I like loved the sport. Yeah. Uh, but more than anything, it was like I was dedicated to it, right? Like, like it would if I was a sideshow or or something like that, I think it would be different. But it was like I I was putting in the time. I, I was I cared about what I did, and I cared about you know the sport and my team and, and my teammates and 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 all of that. So it was like it wasn't like I was just going through the motions out there, um, and and that allowed again people to rally on as a team. Uh, but also brought the best out of some of my opponents, which was always fun. You know, like I, I didn't, I wanted, you know, the same treatment basically like my older brother and his friend gave me, which was like beat the shit out of me, <laughs> made me work. And, and, and like, you know, get, like that was going to raise my game and, and my ability. And like, that's just, you know, listen, I love like competing and seeing what people do when pressure's on and 
like in that moment, man, it's cool. Like we don't, you know, I think at the time, like you don't understand, like you don't get that, you know, going forward unless you play like professional sports or if you're in a very competitive, you know, work environment. Right. But like that actual competing against somebody and, and, and pushing each other, like it, it's something that we won't, we won't always get. And so in order to get there, like I had to play on competitive teams. I had to be competitive in, uh, you know, in high school level and, and so sometimes that required me playing, you know, for different club teams or, you know, doing other things to try to get recruited, especially being from the South. But, and I was always trying to play with people and, and surround myself with people who like to compete and like to push each other. Cause that's just what I knew. Yeah. We definitely lose that as we grow up, I think, um, years, how crucial that is. Cause that is essentially what it's teaching you. And that's a lesson I didn't learn for a while uh at the end of the day i do wish that i did more because it, it isn't about the sport all the time like of course if you have that genuine love for its sport how you describe lacrosse and you have that passion that's wonderful but it, it's about all the life skills it teaches you and it feels mm -hmm. so stupid when you're younger it feels so dumb yeah uh, the way you reflect on it now goes to show that it absolutely isn't <laughs> Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, like, like what we learn is from sports is way more important than how we play or, or what we actually play, you know, working with each other, the teamwork, the, the practicing, right. And like working on your craft is good in any field, you know, even as a speaker now, like I have to practice, I have to take time and get my reps in, um, and, and, you know, more than it, more than anything, it's like all the little adversities that go on in the game, getting injured, playing time, got to heal it. So like I had experienced, you know, definitely nothing as severe as what I went through, but like, I understood like your body doesn't just like snap its fingers and things get better. Like you got to give it time. You have to allow yourself to heal. You have to put in, you know, the rehab if, it, if that's required. And like, those are part of the, part of the, the building blocks. And, and um, again, I experienced that. And I also experienced like what it meant to not be on the field doing those things. And, you know, that helped as an early driving force to like give me jump started in that direction and be open and, and, you know, like, listen, I've always loved life. I think this just gave me, a, a, a you know, a, another thing to love it for. If you're not watching the visual version, I'm just going to insert this here that I totally derailed Connor mid-conversation because I went on a 10-minute tangent talking to him about something that he had previously said, but not super related to the video. So in case you're not watching the visual version, I wanted to pop this in here in case it sounds choppy and you're like, wait, how did we get here? Uh, like... College was a cool experience for me because it was the first time like I was leaving my, my community. You know, uh, like High Point University is not far from where I grew up, about 90 miles. But you have no like true memories of, of like making friends, you know, and like you've gained friends, you've lost friends, like people move, people come. But like you still always had people you know, from elementary school to middle school to, to high school, like, it, you know, friend groups change and all those things, but like all those people have been there my whole life. And, um, you know, I remember being very, very scared going to college because like, I didn't know anybody. I had a few numbers of the kids on the lacrosse team that like I would eventually meet, but like I was going there knowing 
virtually no one. And that was very scary for me because I, listen, I'm somebody who, although I do this for a living now, at the time I did not, you know, I had done speeches and I had talked about myself a little bit when needed or when I thought it would help other people, whether it's for in the hospitals or other things like that. But I don't like walk into every room like, hi, I'm Connor McKimmy, like I'm burn survivor, you know, like I'm Connor and like anybody that meets me, like that's just who I am. And if people are curious, I'm open. I talk about it. But just like most people don't sit there and list all their accolades of what, what's going on in their life when you meet them, you know, like, you know, that's not that's not how normal people act. So like I was worried because I just didn't know how it would, how it would be received. I didn't know like. Really, it sounds bizarre, but it's like I didn't know how to make friends. Like I didn't know that process. Like you know, it just has all you know. Like I understand being friendly yeah. to people, but to actually like, hey, are we friends? Like that was you know. I weird. went from Connecticut to Arizona, not knowing a soul. So I understand what you mean yeah. completely. Um, <laughs> and I I look back now, and I'm still like, how did I even like some of the closest that I hold like people that I hold closest to my heart. I'm like, when did we even like become friends over those years? Like those kind of <laughs> memories fade. Not knowing anyone, it's a cool feeling of I have this new opportunity to uh, not have anyone around me that knew me that to tell my story for me. Um, I get to be the one to do that. But especially with such a dramatic incident that happened, you know, like that's just life for me. That's something that everyone mm -hmm. faces, but with something uh, – as rare as what you went through, I I can imagine that the pressure would be a lot higher because you're looking at yourself like I'm Connor. Shut up! <laughs> like, but <laughs> people are people, and they're they're gonna yeah. not always react the same. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't sure what I was gonna get get myself into, and like I, you know, I had a random roommate, so it wasn't like a dude that I knew. And um, again, I had a little bit of security because of the lacrosse team, you know, knowing that I was going to be a part of a team and like those guys, you know, you at least had some built in security net, but you still didn't know them. Um, and I came in there knowing that like, I wasn't playing my freshman or sophomore year. You know, I was still recovering from some surgeries and some after effects of, of, you know, the lacrosse grind in, in high school. So I'm so sorry so, to like, pause you, but you were playing D1 and you had to sit out the first two years? Yeah, so I sat out I sat out the first two years. Um, mostly, well, like, listen, I came there not even thinking I was going to play. Like, I was a part of the team. Coach Torpy gave me that opportunity to be a part of the team. Um, you know, he was like, if you ever want to play, like, you know, you just let me know. But physically, like, after my senior year, really during my senior year, I was still battling with, like, infections. Um, you know, a lot of things for me, it's like the infection aspect was really difficult because you get, you know, open wounds on your body, especially on your feet from breaking in new shoes. And like that never heals, you know, the, you know, like you have to take off serious time off in order for some of these things to heal. And it's like, I never have the time. Very familiar with High Point. I actually toured there. Um, I did want to go there for a period of time. Clearly I went somewhere very different, but um <laughs> Yeah, I, I know that about their lacrosse team, you know, I know enough to get me by. Um, but I think that says a lot that you were even on the team, right? Like they, and if, even if you couldn't play because of things healing up, injuries, 
like that tenacity had to be seen in you because there's a lot of great players that don't get that opportunity. A hundred percent. And, you know, I, I owe a lot of that to, to coach Torpy who basically like while I was in high school, um, that article that I talk about, like that, that, that came out in high school, like definitely changed my life because they asked me like where I wanted to go. And the guy was like, you know, you want to go to UNC, Duke, UVA, like all these schools. And I was like, dude, yeah, if they want to call me to come play lax for them, I'll be there. But I don't <laughs> think that's the caliber of player I am, if I'm being honest. Um, I know I, I'm like, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to hype myself up. Like I'm that good. But I was like, I wanted to play. High Point was down the road and I loved the school. I loved what it was about. And, so the last sentence they put in the article was like Connor would, you know, wishes to attend High Point University and they hadn't had a team. Uh, Coach Torpy had just been hired and he sees the article and he calls me not knowing who I am. And we end up basically meeting and I sat in his office for about an hour, hour and a half. And he was like, by the end of it, he was like, listen, like you can come here. I will never guarantee you playing time or anything else like that. But if you want to be a part of this team, like you're the kind of guy that I want. And it's like, I'd love to have you be a part of this thing. And that was it. And he's the best. Um, I, I love the dude. And again, he, he never like, it was my idea when I felt like I was ready to come back and play. And he opened, you know, he was open with open arms. It was like, yeah. And I knew, you know, it had been a few years that I was like, I told him in our, in our meeting, I was like, listen, I got to get bigger. I got to get faster. I got to get stronger. I got to, I got to do X, Y, and Z things. And I was like, I'm not coming back to, to be, you know, like, it's not a victory lap for me. It was like, dude, I want to do this. I believe I can do this. And he believed in me. And, and so I, I spent, you know, between sophomore and junior year, that summer, like working my butt off every single day and it got down to a really good weight. And I was as strong and as fit as I ever been. And I ended up tearing my shoulder like while training. And, and, um, I, you know, it was easy to just be like, you gotta be kidding me. But I was like, I, I knew the process. I, I, you know, went to the doctor. I had a conversation with coach Torpy. It was like, look, you're going to be out for three months, four months, whatever it was. They put the plan together. We got the surgery and, you know, I was back out there in January, actually able to play. And, and again, one of the best moments I ever had on the lacrosse field was the first scrimmage we played in. It was like the beginning, you know, second week in January. And I ended up having like two goals and an assist in the fourth quarter. And it was like all, you know, like I, I remember going actually like I haven't told this part of the story, but like I went back to my room after that game, like my apartment and I sat, it was like a Saturday night and like I sat there and I like cried for like a few minutes. Like I was just so happy because it was like everything that I had gone through in my whole life, the accident, all the surgeries, the setbacks, the in and out of the hospital for infections and all those other things. I was like, I like it didn't, didn't stop me from, from, you know, where I wanted to go. And it meant so much because like, I, I got to do that. I had that night, my parents were there. My best friends from college were there. Like you had all these people around you, you know, coach Torpy, my teammates yeah. that like, it meant, it meant something to them too. And like, that's the beautiful thing about sports. Like, like after the game, 
you know, our all-time leading goal scorer in program history, like went and got the ball. I didn't even know he did this. Went and got the ball out of the net after my first goal and held on to it for the whole game. Like he wasn't playing anymore. He holds on to it after the game, like gives it to me. It's like stuff like that. That had to have been the most amazing moment reflecting back. Like very few times do we have the awareness even to reflect back on, you know, such a huge accolade, no matter how big or small it might seem and be like, wow, all of the pain and all of the tenacity, it, it was worth it for this feeling right now. Awesome. So transitioning out of, unless there's anything else that you'd like to speak on during your time in college, transitioning out of college and into career and real life. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do that. I do want to share just a quick story. I definitely please do, got please. lost in, in, but like how, how I actually met my friends. Cause I know I'm talking about like how I, I, you know, what it took. So like I'm in this freshman male, you know, male freshman dorm. Um, and you know, it's just like, yeah, it's like two guys bathroom, two guys on the other side. Right. And a whole, you know, a couple floors of a whole hallway. I forget like a charger, like a, a cord for my TV. I need to go get an HDMI cord from, from the student store. So like I'm, I leave my room, I'm walking down the hall. Like most people, if they're moved in, they have their doors open, you know, some yeah. people are coming and going or if they're not there, the door shut. Well, there's a door open and I like walk past the room and, and make eye contact with the guy. And then I just like keep walking. I took like three or four steps and I was like, man, I'm an asshole. Like I'm that guy that like, he's in the same boat as I am. Like everybody's in the same boat. Nobody knows anybody. We all are new. And like, I'm just, if I was like, if I walk past every person I see, then like, I'm never going to make any friends, you know? So I turned back around. I walked in there. I walked in there and I did like a quick glance to see if there was anything that I like could see that. Yeah. To compliment that, on know, the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Or anything, anything like, what do we have in common? And he had, there was an Xbox with like FIFA on top. And I was like, dude, who plays FIFA? I was like, that's my favorite game. Kid, kid ends up saying, you know, he does. We sit down, we play. Like the kids from the hall, like next door, come in. Everybody's chatting. Before we know it, we got like 15 people in this room, and like that was my ended up being my core group of friends. And like, what was so beautiful about the whole thing? We hung out. You know, that move-in day, the next next couple of days, like everybody sharing stories, telling them where they're from or whatever. Um, I will say this buddy, my buddy Timmy, is from from you know Long Island. So I have the connect. I have I have that Long Island connection. That's my boy. Everybody from High Point's from the Northeast, though. Like I was an outsider being from the Carolinas, but uh, um, you know, so we got these this crew, and it was like during commencement, which happened a couple days later. Dr. Cobain actually like mentioned my story in his in his speech talking about like other freshmen but i was one of them that he had mentioned and it was like we get back to the room and they're like who the hell are you? like who are you <laughs> yeah, like the friend, like nobody had asked like yeah. nobody had asked like nobody brought up like i wasn't bringing up the the scars thing nobody yeah. had asked it never got to that point it ended up getting to that point that night timmy is one of my best friends josh derek like all these kids are some of my best friends from life and like what made it so cool to me is i was so scared and anxious and nervous and worried about like that feeling that I felt within a few hours of being on campus, it was gone, you know, but yeah. it just mattered. It, like taking that cognizance, like that thought to just be like, look, you have to approach somebody like that put me out of my 
comfort zone. I don't like doing that. I didn't like doing that. Regardless of what had happened to me, I don't like doing that. But I knew it was a start. And like, again, my best friends to this day, people I have for the rest of my life, like that we will have. And, and those guys have been with me. Like when I went and did lacrosse stuff, they were always there. They were always supportive. Like we were a morning practice team. So I was up usually at like five, you know, five, five thirty every morning. These guys are usually staying up like most college kids are until, you know, one and two. But they started I, – I couldn't live on that lifestyle. So, like, there was small things. Like, we started watching Friday Night Lights and Prison Break and all these different shows, like, as a, as a group. And that was your bonding they time would, with all of them. That was our bonding time. And they would start, you know, start the episodes and then end the episodes. Like, when I had to go to bed, I was like, <laughs> I had to be in my room at 11 every oh night. Oh, my God, like, they are better not, people than me and my friends. They great kids. <laughs> they would stop. We would continue. And I was like, listen, like, that's how I knew they were real ones. And, and uh, they always supported me, came to the games, you know, all that stuff. And they knew, like, I was going to miss weekends. I was going to miss a lot of things because of – playing the sport and, and all of that, but they never made me feel like I was missing out, you know, like there's a difference. Right. And, 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 uh, you know, when I was around and I was home and if it was one day, whatever a week, then that would be the day we're all celebrating, having a good time. And I like, I love them for that because listen, I, I had, uh, you know, most at, at college athletes will tell you it's a different experience than what other kids you know, 100%, yeah. Um, but like, I loved my experience because I had the balance of, of both. And uh, again, there's some of my best friends who are still supporting me to this day. You know, they That's come to so rare. events when they can. So, <laughs> so, so. They're good people. They're good You're people. You're definitely right? a <laughs> magnet for good energy. And I like, you definitely seem to be a magnet for just like awesome people. I can't tell you the um, amount of cat fights I would get in with my roommates. I lived with five girls um, starting a show together. It just couldn't happen if we didn't want to get nasty with each other because like, something as simple as that. I don't know. College friendships are so cute and innocent and pure because it often does start off something like that. And then these people mm-hmm. sound amazing. But, Thank you for not skipping over that because that was adorable. <laughs> no, it was important. I mean, again, I, I touched on it earlier, but like, I listen, I get to, I'm very fortunate to like have the platform and be able to do what I do. Um, but like, I knew I would never got to this point and never be able to do these things without like the people in my life that helped me feel secure, help me, you know, continue to believe in what we're doing. And a lot of these things, um, you know, like I was very content being in college across coast. We can kind of transition to that, but it was like I graduated and I was coaching on the same, you know, at High Point. Coach Torpy okay. had there was an opening on staff. And when I get to senior year, you know, they're trying to, you know, make sure everybody's employed or has job prospects as, as they leave because they know that, again, our sport takes up a lot of time. We don't get the opportunity to do like, you know, d- during school, like you don't get the opportunity to do internships or things mm-hmm. like that. So, they do a lot of networking. He's a very well-connected guy. You know, when you're in the industry for, you know, 15, 20 plus years, like you, you just have, you know, all the, uh, you know, a lot of connections and, um, you know, but for me, it was like, I wanted to coach. It's all I ever wanted to do. And, and I was very happy doing that. And I think for the four years that I coached, I was, you know, listen, it's not a glamorous lifestyle by any stretch of the imagination, being a college coach and on the road and, and all of that stuff. And yeah, 
Um, he, it's definitely a different, different, again, a different kind of job. Um, but it, it was all I knew and all I wanted. And I worked really hard to get to that point. And I think at that point in my life, it was always like one thing after the next, right? Like ever since the hospital, it was like, let's get back to school and let's get back to the sports. And then, you know, as I got some of these things back in line, it was, you know, going to college and doing all the things that, you know, I wanted to do playing sports and, and, and so on and so forth. And at, during this time, like, listen, I knew I had a different story than most people. Like I'm not blind or, or that, you know, not aware, but I, again, just tried to be as normal as I wanted to. Um, but it wasn't until really when they, like in 2020, when everything stopped, like I was first time in my life, I was like taken away of that cycle where it was like, you know, now there's some unknowns going on in my life. And I was also like, listen, I felt this, this weight of almost being, you know, a little selfish in, in the way that I was living. Cause I was happy doing what I was doing, but I was like, am I really supposed to have gone through all this, all of this to be a lacrosse coach? And like, I could be a really great lacrosse coach and that could be excellent. But like, I just felt this like nagging voice in the back of my head when I'd be sitting in meetings or when I'd be going throughout my day that it's like, uh, it takes two seconds to open up your phone and, and go on, you know, social media, internet, whatever, and just see like there are people struggling and yeah. 2020 definitely like exploded that in a different way. It took having really good conversations with, you know, again, some of the close people in my life, uh, to like express some of these feelings and say like, listen, like I had done speaking I had, I had shared my experiences and my stories to help others before, but I was like, can I do this in a bigger uh, way in a more, you know, I wanted to do it legitimately, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It does. And, I mean, it, yeah, it's something you can do as part of who you are, but to make it your almost identity in terms of this is what I contribute to the world is a totally different story. Yeah. And, and I like, I love coaching and I think, you know, there'll be, a time in my life where I come back to it, well, you know, whatever I could do to like give back to the game that gave me so much. But I, I realized that like, listen, I, I had had this platform. I had had this, this, you know, story, but it was more so like, how can we take these experiences and, and uh, you know, again, help, help others. Like I've always been, I think kind of that way where I like, I like to see other people succeed. You know, yeah. like I like to see other people be happy. Like I'm as on my best of day, I talk about it now, you know, candidly, like I've had some a great last few years, but like I'm out doing a lot of these things like on my own, you know, like my parents can't come to everything. My, my brothers, my friends, like they have jobs, they have life. Um, but I just love like experiencing life with, with people. You know, I've always been a people person and uh, it's hard for me to sit there and especially with a mom that's in, you know, high school. Right. And seeing like kids taking their lives and people my age taking their lives and, and just the struggle that was going on with our mental health. And I was like, listen, I don't have a degree in these things, mm -hmm. but I can tell you how important it is to have those conversations. And I can tell you how important it is to change the way that we talk to ourselves. So when we started and the mission has always been the same, you know, this started really in 2021. I went back to coach for another year because I, again, this was something that I could control. I had had my sport taken away from me 
Yeah. You know, abruptly, I, if I could go out on my own terms, I was going to go out on my own terms, you know? Yeah. And, and so I came back, we ended up, you know, winning our conference championship and going to the NCAA tournament and doing a bunch of things that we hadn't done in, in, in a few years. So it was a perfect bow for me to, to kind of say, all right, look like that chapter has closed. Um, but I, I wanted to, you know, start, you know, making a little bit of a difference. And, and for me, my target range, it was, was, you know, kids like youth, like people my age who again, like are staring at a world that is, complicated, confusing, um, and definitely with a lot of things that are out of their control. And, and I, I understand what it's like to be in that situation because I was in that situation for a long, long time, you know, where I wasn't sure about my future, what was going to happen, what could happen, um, you know, the ups, the downs and, and everything else. But the perspective and the lessons that I learned through those experiences, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, like were still applicable to to today and, and so it started with like all right what can i focus on and for me it was like what helped me the most right through everything everything that we've talked about was you know my mindset and the approach that i had and it wasn't because like i have some superpower or anything else it, it was because uh, it was like just the perspective that i was given you know like that that's the true the true gift and the true blessing and like how I was raised and those experiences definitely play a factor, but I wanted something that was controllable, right? Like what I could focus on because there's so many things that I couldn't. And so when I started thinking about the brand and the message and everything else that I wanted to share, that's when we came up with the Mac mentality. So like my nickname was always C-Mac. Because a lot of people butcher my last name. People, I was like, look, let's take these three things. I look at it. I was like, motivation, attitude, and courage. Those were my three pillars in my life and three things that I felt like I could take ownership of and take control over. You know, I, I can't talk about like the chemical, you know, imbalance that goes on in people's brains. Like I, I, that's not, that's not where I'm coming from. But I was like, what I can tell you is by focusing on our motivation, which is the driving force behind our actions. Again, for a positive way instead of negative, like we have positive and negative motivation, just like everything else, but yeah. like the importance of using motivation for good. I use this quote, it's, it's you know, about life, but it's like, life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's the truth. Yeah. Um, and then, and then most, you know, the most important one for me was the C, which is courage. Because again, like it, it, there's fear that's all around us. There's anxiety. There's, there's unknowns. That's part of life. We don't have all the answers. We'll never have all the answers. That's just how it is. But it's not about living fearless. It's about understanding that, look, you have the strength within you and the strength collectively with the people around you to persevere and withstand that fear and that adversity, right? By just, having that courage it doesn't mean i'm fearless it's like dude i know it's out there there's stuff that makes me anxious there's stuff that i fear but all i can do is put one foot in front of the other and, and just know that i got my people and i got my armor and i got you know this mentality that that i could take with me and so you know that that was the start and it's been crazy to think you know it's been a little over two years since we started we've touched you know, I think over a hundred thousand lives at this point, we've, we've, you know, I, I, I wrote, I wrote a book, which came out earlier this year. And what's the title of that? I definitely I don't want that. 
I got my props. I yeah, we got a little flame. We got a little flame. Yeah. So it's called life. It's called life ignited. Obviously, I play into the fire uh, a little bit. You have to. Uh, you know, hey, it's marketing at the like, end of the day, right? <laughs> it, it is. It is. It is. Um, but you know, that was cool. Like it was, you know, this, this ended up being a really big thing for me because it was a collection of my stories in a chronological form, similar to this. Um, but that just painted a picture of growing up, you know, with this little different, you know, different perspective and, and especially for me speaking at schools, uh, this has been great because we're able to, you know, again, like, not that I hated reading Tom Sawyer or all those other books, but like, this is like something that kids can read that they're like, I get that. Like I'm yep. going through that. I understand that, you know, and, and um, uh, it's not like a long read. I don't try to make it overly complicated. It's more matter of fact to how I speak, but it, like, I, I, I like it meant, it means so much when you hear, uh, you know, that it made a difference to somebody. You know, whether I speak, whether it's the writing, whatever. And that was like our always been my goal. Right. I think in, in the speaking world, people are ambitious and they want to change the world and change millions and millions of lives. And that's great. Like, I, I you know, it's not like I don't want to do that, but it, it starts with just changing a life. And like I know no matter what we do, like if we infected a life in a positive way, if we made the difference to a person, then like what we're doing is justified. And what we're doing hat like that's the quality and and I, and I try to explain that to people it doesn't matter what you do like it doesn't matter what field it doesn't matter anything like you don't it doesn't have to be coordinated or, or with your job but like just having an influence and an impact in a positive way on one person like is all the difference and like yeah. that is a domino effect that can't be stopped and if more people started just you know again trying to be there for each other and understand that like we're all battling something we're all going through something that's not always easy um, we just got to be there for each other and, and and that's what i wanted to do and i've been very blessed and fortunate to be able to do it and it's still funny because people are like you do this full time i'm like yeah man there's <laughs> hundreds there's like i don't know we got no, eight billion people yeah. <laughs> no we got eight people but eight billion people in the world like that I'm sure there's more than a few that still need to hear a little bit of hope and a little positivity. As children and teenagers are developing their mindsets about the world is exactly when they need someone to come in. Um, so I want to give you a huge, just like as cheesy as it is, applause on that because like, where were you when I was in middle school? You could have helped a girl out then. Well, listen, this is a this is like a cliche quote, but I, I kind of uh, you know add on to it a little bit. But you know, we talk about it all the time, right? Like, we can't you know control the hands that were dealt, right? It's very simple, but you know, we can control how we play the cards, right, and how we play it, but. Kind of, the, you know, again, cheesy little card saying here, but to like double down on that, I, I always say, right, you know, if, if life is like game of cards and we can't control the hands that were dealt, but we can control how we play them, just like cards, all right, life is a lot more enjoyable when, when you're in the comfort and surrounded with the people that you enjoy, you know, being with, right, and love. And whether you're winning money, whether you're losing money, you know, if you're together with people like that's that's where the happiness and the joy is. And life is just this beautiful and it's strange and it's 
you know, complicated as it is, it is meant to be with each other and spend with each other. And so don't ever forget that, you know, be with one another, lose some money together and have some fun.